Well, US inflation prices are coming down a bit, at least the headline number is, and the FOMC minute suggested there was a little dovishness at the last meeting, just a little bit, uh, but the initial hit to yields in the US quickly disappeared as the true picture around inflation started to emerge. And today, Australian employment and spending data for Australia suggesting quite a slowdown last month. It's Thursday, the 13th of April, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, despite the fall in the headline inflation rate in the United States, not great optimism in equities. The uh, Nasdaq is down 0.9% and 0.2% fall for the Dow. And the S&P 500 down 0.4%. That pessimism gained momentum uh, towards the close in the United States. But a half percent rise for the FTSE 100 overnight and a 0.3% lift for the DAX. Not a big response in US Treasuries. Well, when I say that, uh, down just two basis points for 10 years, down uh, more than five for two years, although two years actually fell 15 basis points when the inflation numbers came out, uh, but then rose again as uh, people started to digest the news. 10-year yields are rising in Europe, up 6 basis points for 10-year bonds, up 11 in France, quite a fall in the US dollar, down 0.7% on the DXY. The Aussie is up by the same amount to 67 US cents. The euro also up 0.7%. The pound up half a percent and a big lift in oil this morning, up 2% for Brent to 87.30 a barrel, the highest since January and a 2.2% rise in WTI as well. So let's talk inflation uh, with NAB's Taylor Nugent in Melbourne. And look, you know, for the headline rate, quite a fall. Uh, in fact, I think a little bit more than expected. Year on year down from 6% to 5%, month on month just 0.1%. I'm surprised that we didn't see a more positive market response but obviously well the fall in that headline rate was big enough perhaps but it's what under the bonnet that counts isn't it so what's your take was this good news bad news or sort of unsatisfying news yeah good good morning phil i think i think that's interesting over the if you look at the price movements over the last over the last 24 hours you'd be given for thinking not much happened overnight but yeah intraday there was a bit more of an initial reaction to that cpi data before it it unwound although yeah the the move lower in, in the US dollar has persisted a bit more than what we've seen in, in the rates market reaction. In terms of that detail there, that kind of, you know, that headline lower than expected number um, on the, the headline rate up just one point, up just 0.1% compared to 0.2% expected and that headline rate falling from 6.0 to 5.0 year on year helped by some base effects there. Certainly encouraging inflation heading in the right direction, um, helping that that small headline increase was a decline in, in food at home, which was the first monthly decline since November 2020. So certainly positive news there. I think, you know, looking across the detail though, while there are kind of signs of optimism through the release, signs of kind of those disinflation stories that um, that have been compelling and have been expected. There's nothing to kind of suggest that those aren't playing out as well as hoped or going into this release. But you know what it does say is that core inflation is still high. That core inflation print came in in line with expectations at 0.4 percent. The year-on-year rate ticking up a little to to 5.6 percent. Yes. Um, and so you know that. 
that breadth of inflation pressures is, is still there and inflation is still much too high, even if there are some kind of glimmers for optimism in the detail. Yeah, well, I mean, if you look year on year, obviously food is still, uh, you know, well up at eight and a half percent, shelter up 8.2 percent. But that's a bit that's a bit self-fulfilling, isn't it, really? I mean, if you put rates up, rent's going to go up. Well, I think that the on the, the shelter side, what we've seen is those very, very tight rental markets alongside that, um, that recovery and those pandemic effects for housing demand to have been pushing up rents inflation in the US. And there, the expectation for a while has been that as those lower market rents that are, that are in the more timely indicators flow through, rents inflation will slow. And so there, that was certainly one piece of good news, that kind of long-awaited easing in rents inflation. It now looks to be in train. Rents inflation was up 0.5% month on month. It was running at kind of 0.7 or 0.8 for the last kind of six to nine months. And so the outlook there right. is for that to continue to decline. And the fact that this is flowing through in the in the harder data as people have been forecasting is one good sign that kind of, you know, some further um, disinflation is, is likely. Um, elsewhere in the detail, kind of used car prices are, are still falling. Um, though, you know, more timely indicators there suggest that that, that relief could be fading in, in um, coming months. Um, but, you know, elsewhere, inflation is still high. So there is a little bit of, of good news, but kind of looking mm. across the detail, core inflation on a three-month annualised basis is running at 4.7 on a, a super core measure. So stripping out those volatile used cars and those kind of lagging shelter indicators running at 4.4% on a three-month annualised basis. And that's higher than what it was um, at the end of last year. So that has slowed to 3.2% yeah. on a three-month annual So, so that, that's, the, that is why. that's the concern that yeah. some of these core measures look to be tracking sideways. And so that's, you know, we'll, we'll get onto the minutes in a little while, but that's kind of still consistent with kind of Fed commentary that, you know, the disinflation is expected. There are some signs it's starting to come through, but maybe it's not quite as fast as, as they had hoped or earlier expected. So that is why people saw the headline. Uh, we saw that 15 basis point fall in, uh, in two-year yield and then, you know, gradually just heading back up. And it wasn't long after that, was it, that Thomas Barkin from the Richmond Fed uh, said that, uh, you know, OK, we're past the peak for inflation, uh, but there's a lot more work to be done to get it down to 2%. But, I mean, mixed signals, and you mentioned those those minutes, because, uh, I mean, there was a couple of people in, the, uh, in, in, in that meeting who wanted a pause in that March meeting. And I imagine Mary Daly was one of them, probably. She's been talking from the San Francisco uh, Fed saying, uh, you know, we might not meet, need more rate hikes in the United States. The economy might slow down without them. Yeah, so I, I think that's interesting. It's probably a, a word of caution on on some of those headlines from from where I'm sitting. I think, you know, the minutes did say that in their policy deliberations, a, a number of members considered whether it would be appropriate to hold the um, to hold rates steady, although it was unanimous, the vote in, in favour of 25 basis points. So it was something they considered amid the, the uncertainty around um, the, the impact of what was happening in, in banking on credit provision and other things. But kind of when push comes to shove, it was a unanimous decision to increase. Um, and those comments from from Daly, again, just kind of, you know, I think the the key thing here is that these risks are starting to become more two-sided. And so, you know, the minutes did continue to make the point that officials saw downside risks to activity. But when thinking about the, the policy outlook, it was those upside risks to inflation that remain kind of a key factor in needing to, to keep that restrictive policy stance. Um, and so, you know, 
if inflation continues to show some positive signs um, that inflation is heading in the right direction, then that'll kind of free up a little bit more space to pay more attention to those those activity risks and 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 um, you know take heed if activity data does seem to be slowing. Um, but you're right, daily did kind of play both sides to a certain extent, saying that there were reasons why. Um, you know, they may be able to accomplish the, the task without more tightening. But, you know, the core assessment was still that the strength of the economy and elevated inflation readings suggest there's more work to do. So not too far out of line with what other officials are saying. But there was certainly concern, wasn't there, about, you know, the impact on the banking sector and whether we're going to see worsening credit conditions and whether that could lead to a, a downturn, possibly a recession later in the year. That is presumably, you know, that is why, the, you know, the markets are still expecting that, uh, you know, we're going to see a turnaround in, in, in rates. And they're going to start cutting later this year. Yeah, those those concerns about banking certainly, you know, front of mind just how much of an impact that that has. And, you know, thinking about the where the Fed goes from here, it is balancing what is happening on inflation. We get PCE data and the, the employment cost index as well ahead of the May meeting, which will kind of round out that that rating and that that ACI um, the Fed will be looking at that to give them, you know, more confidence that wages growth really is slowing, as indicated by those average hourly earnings data. But you know, that assessment of how much credit tightening offsets the need for more increases is is key. The assessment at the the previous meeting we learned from these minutes was that absent what happened in banking, then the kind of dot plots, the expectations for the path forward from here would have been revised higher. But then after incorporating the banking sector developments, then um, participants ended up with a policy rate projection that was kind of broadly unchanged from where it was in December. So, you know, that slower than expected pro- um, progress on disinflation coming into that meeting would have been pushing expectations higher. And then the, what happened in banking offset that. So, you know, looking forward, you know, we've got bank earnings coming up later this week. Um, how and the beige book next week will be interesting from that perspective as well. Just how much is the the credit tightening going to weigh, and how much is that larger than they had already penciled in at this previous? Well, week? Andrew Bailey from the Bank of England gave a speech this morning as well at the Institute of International Finance in Washington. It was called "Monetary and Financial Stability: Lessons from Recent Times." Uh, he talked about the banking sector, thought it was stable. He said it's the non-banks we need to worry about, basically. Uh, and uh, central bank balance sheets are going to have to stay higher for longer. He didn't actually offer too much more beyond that. Um, he talked about digital currencies and all that sort of stuff. But, uh, you know, he, he certainly didn't talk about what the Bank of England was going to do next, which is uh, uh, perhaps a little bit disappointing, uh, given the title of the talk. But anyway, uh, but let's talk about the Bank of Canada, because they kept rates on hold this morning, and uh, they're going to hold them there for a while, it seems. Higher for longer seems to be, not higher than it is now, but holding where it is now for longer seems to be the message, doesn't it? Yeah, that, that's right. So the Bank of Canada having moved rates to a, a level where they felt like they could sit and wait and watch some of this data come in, did hold rates again. So that's the, the second consecutive meeting where they've they've held rates. That was that was expected, but again, kind of in the commentary suggesting that, you know, that that tightening bias is still where they are. They're kind of not entertaining the possibility of cuts in the near term. In fact, kind of in the um, press conference afterwards, Governor Macklem did kind of push back a little bit on, on pricing for, for cuts, saying that, you know, today that doesn't look like the most likely scenario to us. So, you know, not a hugely compelling pushback if the data does turn out differently to their, their central projections. But, you know, broadly, the, the stance there is that, you know, they 
a kind of an ongoing reassessment meeting by meeting whether the monetary policy stance is sufficiently restrictive. Um, but and you know, while noting that the Canadian activity data has been a bit stronger than they expected in Q1, they still expect it to weaken. And so, you know, on hold from from here as they continue to watch these things play out. Um, well, and is still consistent with inflation getting back to two by the, the um, end of twenty twenty four in their current projections. Yeah, uh, down by down to three percent by the middle of the by, um, middle of this year. Uh, and 2% by the end of next year. That seems rather ambitious, doesn't it? Uh, I think it, it does speak to Canadian inflation data over the past kind of six months or so has been showing a, a little bit more relief than than a lot of other advanced economies. And so I think, you know, that that starting point is a little bit better in, in Canada on, on that front for getting those headline rates down quickly. But, you know, they're still looking at a process that will take um, you know, over over eighteen months in order to get back to target, and still kind of noting those concerns that while um, you know while the outlook is for continued disinflation from here, um, they're still concerned about you know wage growth that remains elevated, services inflation, corporate pricing behaviour, all of these things that are kind of well known for other countries as well. You know, the the concern there is that you know maybe that does keep inflation higher for longer, and kind of you know speaks to the the small hiking bias that they've got in, and, and trying to push back a little bit against against um, pricing for cuts. Well, interestingly, the, the Canadian dollar didn't really uh, go up too much did it today. Did it? it didn't benefit from the fall we saw in the US dollar, even though we had uh, quite strong uh, rises in the, the price of oil today. Yeah, and certainly looking across Canadian, um, the, the two-year rate in, in Canada as well, it was it was more more following the um, the, the US two-year in response to that inflation data than kind of any any um, you know big reaction to to the Bank of Canada or, or Macklem today, which I guess just says that you know broadly as expected from the Bank of Canada. Right. Well, the uh, our own bank, the RBA, is obviously going to be looking very closely today at the Australian employment data. What direction is that going to take us? Yeah, the employment number today will, will be interesting. The RBA obviously watching the, the data very closely in the, the run-up to the, the May meeting. It is that Q1 inflation data out on the, the 26th. It's probably the most pivotal release. But, you know, from the, the March employment number, um, we do expect it to kind of continue to confirm that signal that we got in February that the labour market remains tight, even if it may be slightly less so than kind of six, 12 months ago. Expectations there are for the unemployment rate to, to tick up from 3.5 to 3.6 on an employment gain of, of plus 20k. We're slightly above that. We're looking for, for plus 30k for employment growth and the unemployment rate to stay at, at 3.5. I would note there that kind of the, the February number was 3.54 unrounded, so pretty pretty fine um, barrier to, to ticking up to 3.6 and a number like consensus or our forecast would be kind of broadly consistent with the labour market remaining tied and, and wouldn't do much to shift where the RBA assesses things are at the moment. And yet we had, uh, you know, NAB's monthly spending insights are showing quite a fall in services spending in March. In fact, the the, the first significant decline that we've seen in that number since the, we, we had the resurgence of Omicron in uh, in January last year. So discretionary spending is taking taking a hit. Uh, the, I mean, the service sector. I mean, if, if people aren't spending, that could hit jobs ultimately. Yeah, so so certainly one to watch. That's kind of the the monthly spending indicators that um that we get out of our um, aggregated in, internal data, and and suggesting that you know that that kind of real time pulse of, of spending is something that the RBA is watching quite closely for for how activity is faring 
Um, and that certainly suggests that March may show a, a little bit of weakness in, in nominal spending there. The usual mm. caution that is kind of off of a very strong base coming out of that, you know, elevated good spending over the pandemic and the strength of that services rebound. So, you know, how how much that, that can persist is, is still an open question, but certainly does um, suggest yeah. that, that kind of leading well, indicator well, suggests a little bit of softness in March. Yeah, and to that point, I mean, in New Zealand credit card uh, spending data, we had that yesterday, which showed a 3.1% bounce in March, so going the other way. But then they had a 1.7% contraction in February. Uh, so if you even it all out, add a bit for inflation, then it's probably not making much of a difference, is it really? But look, today, uh, China's trade data, exports and imports, we get UK's GDP. I mean, with the IMF, reckons that they're going to be in contraction this year. So we'd have to assume that that number is going to be heading down for February. We get US PPI, perhaps less interesting because we've just had CPI uh, and European and UK industrial production. Uh, and those initial jobless claims for the United States as well. I mean, we get them every week. Uh, but uh, they fell at the beginning of the month. So, uh, so you know, that means more people working, presumably. So it's going to be interesting to get a, a weekly update on the job situation in the US, isn't it? Tonight? Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, a fair, a fair bit of um, of data coming up over the next 24 hours. That PPI number will be interesting to kind of further round out that inflation picture ahead of the, the Fed's preferred PCE indicator later in the month. And, yeah, that, that jobless mm. claims indicator, post those um, seasonal revisions, it, it did look like it is a, a more compelling uptrend. But as you say, last week we did get a, a dip. So expectations are for that to, to increase um, yeah. to 235K from 228. Very good. Good to talk to you again, Taylor. Catch you again very soon. Thank you. Thanks, Phil. Well, there we are. That's it for today. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again for the last one of the week tomorrow morning. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening. <laughs>